Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. This episode features February James. She currently lives and works in Washington, D.C., where she was born after living in Los Angeles for 15 years. She received her BFA from the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, California, and has exhibited in New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, London, Berlin, and Turin, Italy. In 2021, February James was invited to create a room-size installation in Set It Off, an exhibition organized for the Parish Art Museum in Watermill, New York. She has been featured in multiple other group shows, including Punch, curated by Nina Chanel Abney at Jeffrey Deitch in Los Angeles, Face to Face at the Sugar Hill Children's Museum of Art and Storytelling in New York, and Bodyland, curated by Lauren Teichen at Gallery Max Hetzler in Berlin. She has been represented by Tilton Gallery since 2020, Please visit CerebralWoman.com for her expanded bio and enjoy my conversation with February James. February, I appreciate you joining me today on my podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, I want to talk about your work. So when did you discover your artistic passion? When did I discover my artistic passion? I think I've always known or or been creative. It wasn't until later in life that I realized that I could make a choice and decide to do this for a living. Um, I always thought that being creative was something that you do on the side and you hide away. So though I've always been passionate about the creative process and being an artist, it wasn't until later in life that I decided to share with the world or outside of myself. So when you're alone creating, is there a particular body of work or artist that influenced you? Alone in creating, not necessarily. I think I'm more so influenced by my life, my personal experiences, and my art process is quite cathartic for me. So a lot of times I may get stuck in this kind of wormhole. I don't know. Sometimes I rehearse things in the shower conversations and I kind of work that out in my practice, my art. I am inspired by memory. I am inspired by humans, the human condition. And I'm always intrigued about the framework that shapes our identity, like how we go out into the world. So it's almost as if I'm looking at a situation and then rewinding it through my art process, and then also trying to grapple with it and work it out and on the canvas or the substrate as well. And how do you define your practice? 
Huh. I don't know how I've ever defined it. I think that gives it legs, right? Um, I define my practice as something that is, for me, it's something that I do for myself. It is something I'm completely passionate about. It's like the breast. Like, how do I define how I breathe? I don't know. It just happens. It's the gravity that pulls me into the workspace all the time. It's just this kind of second nature. And like my son also, when he's sitting down, whether he's at a computer or TV or just sitting idle, he's always making something with his hands. And sometimes I feel like he does that automatically. And so I feel like the, my art practice for me is one and the same. It's like breathing. So it's hard to define how and why I breathe. Interesting. Are there concepts or thoughts that connect your work? So the concept is always family and memory. It always starts with the framework, what happens in the house, identity, forming behaviors, things that we grow up with, why we handle stress the way we do, why we eat the foods that we eat, how we communicate, how we argue, how we love. But then when we go out into the world and we meet new individuals, they also have a different framework that they are equipped with too. So I'm always interested in kind of what has been passed down. And that also falls on this nexus between the private self and the public self, like what happens in the home. And when you put on a face and face the world, what happens there? So that kind of thinking and that groundwork is a foundation for where I start to, to work from. It's, it's the impetus to paint, to, to get into the studio. And it's always followed by another why. So I feel like I'm asking questions that are never answered. It's like flipping through a Rolodex that never ends. (laughs) (laughs) Like that answer. When do you know work is finished? (laughs) When the doorbell rings uh, for them to pick up the work. Um, In a sense, I never sign the work until they're packing it up because I feel like it's never finished. And if I look at it and I think about, well, I hope to always be a student. I hope to never completely grow up because I feel like once I stop growing and stop learning, then I'm done. And I feel like that for the work. I feel like the work is not done until it is out of my hands. So when they start to wrap it up, when the doorbell rings and when I sign it, that's when it's done for me. I'm done with it. Now, what happens when it leaves is another beginning for me. I have to remind myself that I don't know everything. I have to allow myself. And I just, not just discovered this, but I started to lean into this a few years ago of just saying, you know what? I don't know. I don't have the answers for that. And it was very freeing just because with my mother, the roles were reversed where I became the parent. And she was a child, so I felt like I always had to be responsible and have the answers. And automatically, I went out into the world feeling like I had to be prepared and have the answers for everything or kind of make the answers up. So the moment I let go of that and embraced not knowing, I felt so free and so light. And I invited lessons back into my life. And I look at the people I meet as my teachers. 
or any difficulty I face or any rough patches, I try to look for the lesson in that. It's lovely. Do you feel black art can be defined? Um, that's an interesting question. And I wonder, do I get asked that because I'm a, a black female working in this field? And so I feel like that is something for the audience to answer or whoever has the work. I am a painter. I'm a visual artist. I am a black female in this world. And that is a lens through which I create. That is not anything that I can change. And that is also something that I don't think that I need to answer or define outside of the work. I think the work is what it is because of who I am. When you're creating, do you think about who your audience is? No. I love my audience. I love that I have an audience, which is a strange thing for me to say, but I'm very grateful. But it would be impossible because my audience is in many different minds. So to think about many different minds while I'm creating, I find that might be debilitating because it's like being asked, let's say, a thousand questions at once and trying to answer them, trying to fulfill so many answers with one thing. So I do not take anything in the studio with me. I try to empty it all out before I get into the studio so that I can hopefully just be a vessel. It's like when I feel myself start to think about anything about the work, then I actually stop painting because I felt like there's an interruption in the process. What does your workspace look and feel like? Um, it's interesting because I, I, I just recently moved, so I'm still trying to get it set up. Because I'm working on a show, it's, it's many different things. So my workspace is the only space where I invite chaos in, but it shows there's an organized chaos. So there's many different things around me in case I get this wild hair where I need to use a crayon or ink or plaster, I can access it quickly, but everything also has a place. Like I can also tell you where a black ink pen is in my studio, if that makes sense. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> so I think coming into the studio and not knowing what it should look like, it can be a little intimidating when I'm working on a show. But there's a rhythm here, which I get. And I also need that because I need to access things quickly because I work with that kind of tension in the work with solving things in the process, which we have to do in life sometimes. And so because I need to access things quickly, there is an order, but there still is like my floor is covered with plaster right now because I've been playing around with plaster. So, mm. <laughs> yeah. What materials do you use in your work? So I use a lot of watercolor or I have found a way for me where I get acrylic or oil to act like watercolor on the substrate. I use oil pastels. And more recently, since I moved back home, the distance between myself and the canvas has felt too far away. Uh, I've been wanting to make work that's more tactile in my hands, building, touching, molding. And so I've been working with like a raw wood that I've collected that's been sourced 
from around Washington, D.C., Maryland. It's from buildings that once were buildings I may have visited that are no longer here and plaster. These are also things that you use to build up a home. But the plaster for me, I love because it acts the way watercolor does to me. It's quick. It cures really quickly. I have a window of time to figure out what I'm going to do with it. It's temperamental, but it is archival. And so where it differs from ceramic is ceramics is a process and there's a firing process. It's just more structure, whereas like plaster tends to act and respond like watercolor. And that is something I'm drawn to. Maybe the stability or instability of it and having to work through things while working with the material, I find that very attractive and interesting. And the fact that, that I'm up against figuring out something before this hardens. Like I have a short window of time to do what I need to do before what I have done is cemented. So interesting. When do the titles of your work enter the creative process? Hmm. So it's different. So sometimes the titles come up first. Like I'm working and I was looking through a book I, I read. There's music while I'm working. There is an image on the computer while I'm working. And I'm also reading like maybe one or two books. <laughs> and so I was looking through a book that I hadn't touched in years and I found a title on the cover of it. So sometimes the titles come first and other times like the painting tells me what this should be titled. And it's just annoying. I feel it in my gut what it should be. So I don't have, there's not like a rhythm to it. It's just like me picking up this book two days ago that I haven't touched in years, finding the title that fits perfectly with what I'm working on. It's just like this, you know, divine moment, I guess. But <laughs> I love it. Um, it happens that way. Yeah. And what type of music are you listening to? Some of everything, but I love moody music, of course. Love, unrequainted love. But slow, sultry, like honey. I also will listen to one song on repeat, especially closer to a show. Or if I'm working, I may have one song on repeat just to hold me in that moment, especially if it feels like good fuel for what I'm working on in the moment. I don't want that interrupted. So, what are you excited about right now? I am most excited about the new plastic sculptures that I'm working on. Uh, one, because it's a new material for me, because the work is evolving very quickly. And what I can't articulate yet with paint and watercolor and canvas, these sculptures are allowing me to work that out quickly so that I can get to it in another iteration with the work. And I'm sure that has to do with me being whole me being around family, this move, there's like a, a rebirth happening within myself and that is happening within the work. So as I'm evolving, so is the work. So I'm most excited about the sculptures that are coming up that I'm working on. And then I'm excited about where the paintings are going. I'm nervous too. It's a little scary, but also <laughs> it feels great. <laughs> yeah, challenges can be scary. Yeah. 
And what would you say are some of the most substantial challenges that you've encountered as an artist? The most substantial challenges? Well, right now, it's no days and finding balance between work life, home life, getting my studio set up after a move. Like I was in one place for 16 years and then I move and I think about just uprooting a tree and moving it to a different location and what that would do to that tree in the process while it's setting new roots. And the other challenge right now would be pushing through the work changing because there is a part of the work that feels like my identity. And so understanding the changes that are happening with me and acknowledging that and allowing that to be communicated through the work can be a bit challenging because I have to figure out the way to communicate. So share with us, what do you have going on this year in 2024? So I'm really excited about my first museum talk. Uh, it will be moderated by Larry Osai-Mensa from Art Noir, and it'll be at the Bell Museum on February 15th. So I'm really excited about that because it's a chance for me to share with the audience about the work and the process and just for them to get a little insight about who I am. I have also a show with Cultural DC, February 15th. So it'll be my first show in Washington, DC after being gone for 16 years. So it's homecoming. I'm coming home. And I kind of use the school as a site and play to talk about memory and the lessons that I've learned and I've unlearned. So I'm very excited about that. And then later on in the year, in April, I hold another show in Washington, D.C. here with Chayla Mitchell Gallery. So I'm very excited about all of these because then I'll get to show also how the work has evolved. Well, that certainly is exciting. And I'm glad to hear that you're working with both Larry and Shayla. It's wonderful. Yeah, thank you. I've enjoyed our conversation. Me too. And the next question is, what do you feel is the purpose of art? What do I feel is the purpose of art? I feel, I think it's different for everyone. And I would have to say, for me, I, the purpose is one that is healing, maybe because that's the way in which I work. I've also seen when my son is frustrated and he makes something, then after that we can talk. So I think it's for the maker, it's maybe the way in which they can access their feelings or emotions in one way. And for the viewer, I think it's a way that they can also access certain feelings and emotions by landing on a piece of art that they didn't know would make them feel that way. So sometimes we have all these things trapped in our body and through either witnessing a creation or making a creation, there is a release that happens or an understanding that happens. And I feel like that is the purpose of art, whether it's song or dance or just any creative process, to have that moment is very special. And I think that is the purpose of true art. Art will save us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for this interview. This is going to be our last question. And as an artist, what do you feel is your role? What do I feel is my role? Wow. Uh, my role is 
to do the work. My role is to do the work that I cannot suppress. My role is to do the work that has to come out and not to judge what it looks like as it's coming out. My role is to release, to title, to share, because there is someone somewhere that needs to see, hear, or witness what I have done. And so I feel that is my role because that also creates a dialogue and dialogue will inspire or bring forth more conversations that can create change or seeds. And if you plant a seed, the tree doesn't grow overnight. So my role is to continue planting seeds of change. Well, thank you for your work. Keep working. (laughs) And we need you. And the world needs artists to keep working. So thank you very much for what you do. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.